not following this dude. Is it enable? Well, then your computer has a bad attitude, Hannah. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yep. <laughs> I swear we have a new challenge every week. Yeah, would you? All right. Death could not hold him. The veil tore before him. Isn't that awesome? God is good. Uh, uh, you like God? Do you like God in this house? Yeah, about him? Good, because that's who we're talking about today. It's kind of who we talk about every week, you know. Truth is, we got one book around here. You know, we got we're like a one curriculum church, and um, we just get all stoked about it. People, people are like at the door. They're like, "Hey, thanks, that encouraged me." I'm like, "It's just a book report. Just a book report every week. Amen. Book report, same book, same book. I've been studying it for I don't even know how long, a long time, and uh, I would I don't even really know if I know anything about it yet. It's just so deep. My dad always said, "Son, you can study this book your entire life." And you will never scratch the surface. And uh, so I, I believe in my my, what my dad has to say. So today we're going to jump into um, a story in the Bible. We're talking about how God is bigger than our limits. And we're having slide problems because that is what we're supposed to do at Ordinary Faith is have slide problems. And, um, oh, I got, I do have five minutes. That's right. Just to, just to figure out how to get the slides going. But anyway. So while that's happening, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to have to jump in and get started here because time's a factor. We're trying to restart everything. and um, <gasps> Hallelujah. So everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Good deal. You can be instructed well. You're going to need that today. You are going to need that today. Uh, and if you can go ahead and get me to this first slide in the sermon. Are we up there? Yeah, Shazam. All right, Shazam. Everybody say Shazam. Shazam. That's a good deal. Oh, the church say amen. We say Shazam. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. All right. So in our series, we've been... You know, prying at the lid of these five questions. Who's God or what can be known? Who's God? Who am I? What's good? What's wrong? What's next? What you need to understand is I am presenting to you in every sermon. There are nine sermons in this series. Michael's doing two of those. Next week he's covering how God is bigger than our sin. But in those, we are looking at a different way of looking at the world. And you need to understand this. This is weird. What we are talking about in normal society is weird. Say weird. It's weird, okay? You believe what I'm teaching you, you're going to be a weirdo. You, are you okay with that? Yes. It's okay if you're not okay with that, all right? If you're sitting there going, I don't want to be a weirdo. Well, it's all right. Hang around long enough. <laughs> weird is catchy. Weird is catchy, all right? Okay, so uh, we're going to jump into these. Uh, today we're going to look at this story that may kind of be a little hard to wrap your head around. So let's start with Matthew 25, verse 14. And it looks like I'm okay, so hallelujah, bless God. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus teaching, Matthew 25. You think Jesus is a pretty good teacher? Amen. Uh, I just want you to know that a lot of time when Jesus taught, people walked away going, (laughs) Again, the kingdom of heaven could be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. If I had a way to underline that on the screen so you could see it. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. So what you need to see at the beginning of the story is that we have the master. Who do you think the master is? Don't say anything out loud. Who do you think the master is? But here's a little hint. Whoever the master is, he's coming back. Okay? All right, so there's the hint. So, he had resources. The master 
had a trip, he had a business, he had resources, and he gave gifts, he gave resources to his servants according to their abilities. Not just gifts, but their abilities were connected with that. You understand? Abilities are something that we can develop. Abilities are like skills that we can hone, we can improve with practice. So the master knew what his servants were capable of. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. So we have an investor in verse 16. Verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. So we have a worker bee in verse 17. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So we have an investor, we have a worker bee, and we have a hide-and-seek champion. Okay? Now here's the thing, the master's gone for a long time. And the whole while the master's gone, the hide-and-seek champion looks like the winner. He's sitting around. He's commenting on everybody's status on Facebook. <laughs> catching up on all the Netflix, Netflix series and binges. His name is on all the gamer boards on Xbox. While the master's gone, who's having fun? The guy doing nothing. Okay? And for a long time... He looks like the genius. While the investor's investing and the worker bee's working, the other guy's just being lazy. Okay? That's where we're at in the story. But here's the problem with a long time. Eventually, a long time ends. Eventually and always, a long time comes to an end. After a long time, their master returned from his trip. Don't answer aloud. Who's the master? Shazam. Shazam. Okay. <laughs> Oak's ahead of me. That probably came out this weekend or something. I don't know. So anyway, the master is the one who's coming back. He returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they used his money. Now, I want you to follow me close. The servant who he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. Do you think servant number one, the investor, was happy to see the master? Yeah, he came forward. He was excited. I, I imagine him, just because when I grew up, Welcome Back, Back Carter was a show, and I imagine him like the horse shack, you know? Ooh, ooh, ooh! <laughs> five more, man! Now, some of you are like, don't, you don't get that? It's okay, it's okay. Is Nick at night still around? I, I don't know if you, anyway. John Travolta's start, but anyway, and his acting hasn't improved. But, <laughs> that, was, that was not fair. That was not fair. I just, let's pray for John Travolta right now. No, I'm just kidding. Then we have verse 21. The master was full of praise. Do you hear this? The servant comes in. Here, here I've earned five more. The master's full of praise. Well done. I need you to connect with the master right here. I need you to, to not just sit in church and hear a sermon and hope you get something out of it. I need you to actually imagine this text and see the master's face. He's pleased. He's happy. He's filled with joy. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate 
together. Let's celebrate together. So the master is stoked. He's excited. He's happy for his servant. He gave his servant an opportunity to do something. He gave the servant the resources to do something. And the servant stepped out into the opportunity. And he found out that all of his skills, all of his abilities that the master knew he had were real and true. And he turned five, he turned five into five more. And when he comes back, he's happy. I didn't know I could do it, master, but I did. And the master's like, I'm so proud of you. Almost fell. <laughs> Way to go. Let's celebrate together. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yes. Shazam! I'm just going, oh no, sorry, I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. Okay. You can say amen, oh me. You can say nothing. You can, anyway. Verse 22. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. Mr. Eager Beaver, ready, bringing them forward is good and he just saw the first servant and the master was so proud so how's the master here the master said well done you did a great job my good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this this small thing this small amount so now i'll give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together okay pause in the story what would be your opinion of the master right now we have just the master went on a trip he resourced everyone, he gave them responsibility, and he left for a long time. While they're gone, two of them really applied themselves, doubled what the master gave them, and when they come back, the master is so excited to see them, they're excited to see the master, everybody's happy, there's a party about to happen, they're going to celebrate together, because the master is enjoying their success with his resources. What would be your opinion of the master right now? Would it be good? Would you have a good opinion of the master? You'd be thinking to yourself, yes, I like the master. I would love to hang out with the master. But now the music changes. You know, that's how you know something's coming in the scary movies. The music changes. They're playing the happy song, and all of a sudden, dun, 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 dun. And you know the killer is about to take someone out. So the music changes in stage left. The slacker, the hide-and-seek champion of the ancient world. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Hang on. Where'd this come from? Up until this moment, we loved the master. And now we have this slacker accusing the master. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant. Gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear is always the opposite of faith. Just throwing that out there. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the ground. Look, here's your money back. Wow. This servant's idea of the master is so different than the investor's idea and the worker bee's idea. It's so separated. Why? And, and this is a principle in life. Sometimes people make others into the person they have to believe them to be in order for them to continue to do what they want to do anyway. And so in this story, we see a servant of a good master demonize his master just because, well, let's say what the master says. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. 
If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Now, this is probably where you have a hiccup on this story. Because the master does not defend himself, and here's why. Are you ready? Here's why the master did not defend himself. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't. I, I, he's not a jerk or anything. I mean, I was just being a jerk about it, but he, he doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't need anyone to declare his goodness. Do you know why the master doesn't need anyone to declare his goodness? Because his father already did that. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So he didn't need anyone else to say it. So he didn't care what the servant said. Verse 27, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest from it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, the one that's most competent. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's what I want you to understand. The third servant got what he chose. He made a choice. He made a choice. He chose the consequences that he received. So if you went through our series on boundaries, then this verse fits right in with, the, with that kind of theology. And you realize that we make choices, and God honors our choices. The master honors our choices. So, <clears throat> what a story, huh? So, what's going on in the world, and how does this story fit in? Well, let's take on this idea that God's bigger than our limits. And we say that because we live in a world with lots of limits. We live in a world that is very limited, and this is important. And as you grab a hold of this, it will set you free, and you'll want to step out of a worldly worldview, whatever that is, and into a kingdom worldview when you realize that the kingdom of darkness is an ever-shrinking kingdom. I know that has not made it on the news anywhere. CNN, no Fox, nobody's reported that the kingdom of hell is continually shrinking. But it is. The world runs, the kingdom of darkness gets smaller every day. Why? Because the kingdom of light is advancing every day. God's kingdom is advancing every day. Now you may be saying, amen, you should applaud that. Because it's true. We sit in Rock Springs, Wyoming sometimes. We go, well, I don't know if God's doing much in the world. But that's only when we get down and out about it. When we really think and we look around the room, the very room we're in, and see all the miracles in this house, we know the kingdom of heaven is advancing. Some of you, a year or two or three years ago, were in the kingdom of darkness, and you ain't no more. Amen. Right? Amen. That's why there's so much greed in the world, because there's a fight over the remaining resources in the kingdom of darkness. God, God's advancing, their kingdom's shrinking, the enemy's supply lines are being destroyed daily, stuff is going on. That's exciting. Also, the world has no source. Where are you going to get new stuff in the world? Because who's the source? You guys must have been here in the first sermon. God's the source. Everything good, everything pure, everything perfect, it comes from God. King of darkness has corrupted all that, twisted all that. There's no new supplies coming. So it's shrinking. They can't get new supplies. All they can do is fight over what's left. And then there's another reason there's never enough in the world, and it's pride. It's pride. So um, there's this, he used to live in my neighborhood. I don't know who this guy is. If this is you, I'm so sorry. 
Well, there was a guy in my neighborhood who used to live way up the hill, and he had this giant Ford truck, and all the Chevy guys were going, well, that was his problem. Yeah. <laughs> and the Dodge guy's going, yeah, I just towed one of those. <laughs> and the Ford guys are going, he, there's, he's okay, he's all right. But he had this giant Ford truck. Now, you ever seen a guy pay 70 grand for a truck and then put another 30 or 40 in it? And this, that was this guy. Now, here's the thing. I'm naughty. I've I, I got to confess you. I'm a, I mean, there, in me, there's that flesh, and, and I have to fight it. And every time I saw that truck, and he had, he had one of those exhausts that went out the bed, you know, and it, and it was really loud, down the street. And every time I saw that truck, this is what I thought. I hope he's not here. I shouldn't say this. I thought to myself, I thought to myself, moron. Isn't that awful? I told you. So I got a sinful streak in me, man. It's under the grace of Jesus. And I thought to myself, that guy is compensating for something. I don't know if he's short. I don't know if he's bald. I don't know if his girlfriend's ugly. I don't know what it was. But when you got to do that, that must do a truck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. He's probably here right now. And he's Jesus, and I hurt his feelings. But anyway, I won't describe the color or anything like that. Uh. The truth is, a lot of the pride we have in our life is compensation. We're trying to hide something. And so we hide behind our pride. And so that's why the world is filled with pride. Here's why. Because we like to act like we're in control, don't we? Like, yeah, I got this, man. I, I got, man, the house, the car, the bills, the kids, the wife. We don't tell anybody. We put the, the pseudo life on Facebook. Oh, look at my amazing wife. Right after you just had a knockdown drag out over dishes or something stupid, you know. <laughs> look at my incredible kids. And you had to, like, drag them out to, into the hockey game or something like that. And, and we, we post all that. But we're trying to boister our pride because we're hiding behind it. Because the truth is, the truth is, we struggle in our marriage, and we struggle with our kids, and we struggle. We can't even control our waistlines, for goodness sakes. And we're trying to say, God, I can handle my own life. That's why the world's filled with pride. We, it's a lie we're telling ourselves. So we can stay in charge, okay? But we're moving to a different worldview. We're moving out of the I'm God of my life worldview and moving into God is glorious worldview. God is king worldview. God is commander worldview. We're moving ourselves off the throne and making sure that Jesus Christ is on the throne. Amen? Amen. Yes, as we begin to embrace that, it's going to change so many things in our life. So God is bigger. Today we're talking about our limits. You don't live in the kingdom of darkness anymore. You're not limited by pride. You're not limited by lack of resources or creativity. You're not limited by all those things. God is bigger than all of those limits that are in your life. And we've got to remember that when the master left, it was the master's business, the master's trip, the master's household, the master's money, the master's return. What's the story really all about? <laughs> Let's say that together. One, two, three. Um, master. Who's the master? I wonder who the master is. Let's stop. No, don't say it out loud. That's okay. We'll, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. They only have what the master gave them. So, here's the thing. When the master returned, he honored the servants. I, I, let that, would you let that sink into your heart for a minute? It was the master's money, the master's trip, the master's resources, the master's idea, the master's creativity. 
The servants simply acted on what they were given, and in acting on what they were given, they were blessed. And when they returned, the master, it was his business that thrived, his name that was honored and glorified. And what did he do with his glory? He shared it with his servants. Do you know God wants to honor you and glorify you? He does. But he can't not honor himself. you got to understand this. The most wonderful thing in all the universe to me, and, and I still don't get it, is the fact that God glorifies God. He said that to Jesus one time. Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, glorify your name. And an audible voice was heard from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. When you are the most powerful, most kind, most loving, most generous, most holy being in all of the universe, it would be a disservice to glorify anybody but yourself. But God, has, through Jesus Christ, comes and honors people who give all to him. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. Can I just say, please get into Colossians 3 and like spend a week there. You you don't get it. You think you get it, you don't get it. Just get into Colossians 3. But anyway, that's another sermon, another time. Colossians 3. Christ Jesus, who is your life. Who's your life? Who's your life? Christ Jesus. Who's your life? When he is revealed to the whole world, I think that's going to be a pretty significant day. Don't you think so? Might even make CNN or Fox, you know? You will share in all his glory. You. Say me. Share his glory. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time he will lift you up. That's what we want. So let's look at today's statement, okay? God is glorious. God is glorified. I can be exalted or I can stay humiliated. You live in the kingdom of darkness, you live in that ever-shrinking, humiliated kingdom. You move into a worldview where God is glorified, and you move into a place where now God has opportunity through things to glorify you, bring glory into your life. So let's start with the fact that God is glorified. And let's talk a little bit about glorifying God. So we think back to week number one of this series where we talked about creation and how that God is the source. We look back at Matthew 25, 15. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So we see that this, all of this comes from God. You ever had a good idea? Give me that. You ever had a good idea? You ever thought you had a good idea? Found out a week later it was not a good idea. That second one was not God. But if you had a good idea, <laughs> where'd it come from? God. A business idea? You ever figure, you, you have a desire to start a business? You had an idea for a new model or something that would work? The idea came from God. Do you have a skill? I bet there are several skilled people in this room. Some of you can weld. Some of you are electricians. Some of you can sell. There's all kinds of skills in this room. Where'd you get that skill? God gave it to you. It's one of the resources, one of the things he divvied out according to ability. If you have money, it came from God. If you have time to do something other than work all the time, guess who gave it to you? God did. Do you have health? Where did it come from? God. He is the source. It's, the ma- it's always the master's resources at risk here. Remember this. It's always the master's resources at risk. If you've ever done some investing, you understand risk. 
right? You, and and you all, if you're like me, you always buy high and sell low because you're not very smart. <laughs> but the master gives out. He's the one who's taking the risk. But who gets the honor? When the master's honored, he shares that honor with his servants. God is glorified. Here's another thing. Get ready. God's rooting for you. God's on your side. He likes it. He likes it when you win. He likes it when you win. I know, I know some of you are sitting there going, um, I think uh, he's just testing me. I think that's what it is. We'll come back to that. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So I, I, now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Father doesn't want you to fail. Do you understand that? He's not giving you the resources to see if you can make it. He's giving you the resources because he knows you can do it. You are the one who doesn't know you can do it. And so he gives you these resources, and then he's like your cheerleader. I mean, all you got to do is show up for cheer practice. Every morning, he's like, you, you can do this. You have my power in you. You have my, my son in you. I, you have my life in you. You can do this. And so when God gives us something, he, he does it because he wants us to succeed. He's rooting for you. But also, God likes to celebrate. Have you ever thought about this? God likes to party. I know you're sitting going, I, I don't know about that. I think uh, yeah, i got to go back to the Baptist church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You ever looked at Israel's calendar? God put parties on there. He's like all the time. Okay, you're going to party here. You're going to celebrate the Passover. You're going to celebrate this. You're going to have a. You're all going to camp out and have a camp out celebration. Some of you guys are getting ready for that this summer. You're like, can't wait, and the weather's messing with you. <laughs> this weekend's a setup. I'm just telling you, setup, man. Wyoming doesn't mean it yet. Trust me. Okay, <laughs> trust me. You're sitting there going, we're going camping next week. We're going to have a fire. No, you're not. You're going to be freezing next weekend. He's wrong. Word from the Lord right there. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I'm just kidding. The wedding in Cana. Wedding in Cana. Do you know how many bottles of wine Jesus made? 700. 700. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. Why? Jesus isn't about drunkenness. He is about celebration. The Father likes to celebrate. He likes. Did you know? Did you know? Ah, you probably don't. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Did you know Father is very happy today? He's very happy. He's filled with joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. So good. So good. Um, what happened when the prodigal son came home? What did the father do? Celebrate. Had a party. What happens when a sinner turns from their sin, repents, changes their mind, and trusts in Jesus Christ? What happens? Big party. Big party. Celebration. God is a celebrating God. Write it down. Remember it. God likes to celebrate. I know so many of you are probably sitting there going, well, no, I think he's just out watching me make sure I don't mess up. All your mess-ups are under the blood, man. He paid a high price to be able to forgive that. And what he wants to do in your life is not forgive your sin. He will. But what he wants to do is produce righteousness in you. Amen. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, was Jesus preaching against sin or was he preaching for righteousness? Read it yourself. Matthew 5-8. through 8. 
He elevated righteousness. Now here's my question to you. What do you think about the master? Right now, this morning, what do you think about God? Do you think that he likes you? Do you think that he's kind? Do you think that he's generous? Do you think that he likes to have fun and that he enjoys you and that he thinks about you? Do you think those kind of things? Or do you think you're in trouble with him most of the time, that you keep messing up, that you're suffering in your life because God is mad at you? What do you think about the master? Because when we come to the story of these servants, there were two different ways of thinking about the master. And the way they thought about the master had nothing whatsoever to do with the master. It had to do with the condition of the heart of the servant. So ask yourself, what do I think of the master? Is he cruel or is he kind? Is he a killjoy or is he fun? Now, you can disagree with me, but I think God is a blast. I do. Every time. Every time that I wake up enough to let God show up, he does. Or to notice that God shows up, he does. It's great. The other night, the leadership team and I and my wife were at dinner together. And John Orr, this is kind of a thing we like to do. We like to ask the the server if we can pray for them. The funny thing is, it kills me how often God just shows up. And I know what you're thinking. Well, if you ask someone to pray for you, they'll get all weird and awkward about it. Sometimes they do, but that's not usually what happens. Usually what happens is the server will go, yeah. In this case, she needed approval for a loan for a house. She wanted to buy her first house. She said, I'm, I'm trying to get approval for a loan. Would you pray for that? that she had, it was like right there, bam. Happens all the time. She knew. I've had people say, yes, my mother's very sick. My, I've had people say, yeah, I'm having a lot of problems with my kids. It's amazing to me. And I never tell them I'm a pastor. I don't even tell you I'm a pastor. You just know it because I'm up here. I just say I'm Michael. I'm just saying, Papa is good. He is good. He is good all the time. The last lesson I want to see it. I, I want you to see the lesson that God has sourced out of the story. I want you to see the lesson that God is rooting for you. And I want you to see the lesson that nothing is more costly than nothing. Nothing is more costly than nothing. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's okay. Give me a minute. Matthew 25, verse 29, the last part. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. You see, that third servant lived for the third servant. He lived in a shrinking kingdom. He lived in a kingdom without resources, and he was trying to greedily snatch up all the resources he could. That was how he lived. And I want, I want us to learn this. Life for yourself stinks. Life where I'm God of it is no fun. There's no mystery in that. There's no joy in that. And so, in this case, the servant really robbed himself. He missed a great party. He missed the rewards of what could have been. And and here's what I'll tell you. He was afraid he would lose the master's money, but the other guys didn't lose. They had more to lose, and they doubled it, because that's how things work in the kingdom. In the kingdom, risk is rewarded in the kingdom. Maybe not the stock market, but in the kingdom, risk is rewarded, okay? Okay? And so, I want us to remember that. That we're here for another reason than ourselves. Paul said this, I mean Luke said this, this story about Jesus. 
Then when he turned to his host, Jesus said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You see, this is what part of the story is about. This is about glorifying God, and God is glorified as we share God with people who need them. As we pour ourselves into things that are not ourselves. I want to say that again. As we pour ourselves into things that are not ourselves. We begin to see God do things because we have a purpose. God's the purpose. God's the point. God's the purpose. God's the point. You got it? So God is glorified in our lives. And so we can either be exalted or we can stay humble. We got to remember we're here to glorify God. Bottom line. This life is for God's glory. Let's say, it, let's say God's glory. This life is for God's glory. God's glory, not mine. I'm not here on earth to build my own kingdom. Did you, do you get that? We, we don't get that. We need to get that. It's not about our kingdom. It's about His kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew 6.21, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. There are only two kingdoms, man. There's light and darkness. And you can look at those different kingdoms however you want and whatever tears, but it doesn't matter. There's two sides in the fight. God's side and the enemy's side. Okay? Sin's side. Death's side. And so we need to realize we are here for God's kingdom. How many of you in this room have a job? Just real quick, just have a job. You can just be low-key about it. It's good. You know what a job is? A job is a way to fund your ministry. A job is how you fund your ministry. That's what we need to realize. Every person in the house is a servant of the master. Sons of the father. We have business to attend to, and that business is not our own personal luxury, and it's not building our own kingdom. That business is advancing God's kingdom. And so if I have a job, I have that job for God's glory to finance a ministry for God. Now, I realize that is a shift in thinking, and I want you to take time to think about it. You don't have to just drink that Kool-Aid as we sit here. You, sorry. I just realized that's a bad reference, so whoops. <laughs> You don't have to think through that. I mean, you can take time to think about what, where the, that idea. But ask yourself, what kingdom am I investing in? Am I investing my life in light or darkness? In me or the Father's glory? Am I trying to glorify myself? Or am I going to let God take care of glorifying me? We also aren't here to live in luxury. Now, I don't have a problem with some comforts in life. Obviously, I have a few myself. But what we need to realize is that God did not put us on this earth to live as comfortably as possible. He put us here to glorify His name. He, in the end, He's the only thing that matters. A lot of people throughout history have discovered that. In the end, it's His name that's going to matter. Because what we're here to do, friends, is get His name out there. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16, as God's grace reaches more and more people... 
<coughs> excuse me, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Do you see this? As more people are reached with the goodness and kindness of God, because it's his goodness and kindness that leads them to repentance, as more and more people are reached, God is glorified. And then Paul goes on to say, that's why we never give up. That's why we never give up. Because God is the point of this. He's the purpose of this. This is how we bring glory to God through these kind of things. We need to remember that we have some resources for that purpose. And, and I'll just tie them together. I, I was going to break this into two points, but I'll just put money and resources together. We have resources that God gave us. You have a job, God gave it to you. You have a skill, God gave it to you. Amen. You have a family that supported you so you could get that job and those skills. God gave you all of that. It all comes from Him because God is the source. Okay? Why did he give it to you? So you can build your own kingdom and be really comfortable. No, 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 no. You know that's not right. In your heart of hearts, you know that's not right. I know that we all have moments in which we, that we think that the next new doodad is going to make us happy, but we, then the payment comes due, and we realize that was not making us happy at all. <laughs> Everything we have, we are stewards of. What does that mean? We are managing someone else's money. You, every person's room, you are God's money manager for your household. You are. I know um, there's a lot of teaching on the tithe, and I do believe in tithing as an absolute bare minimum, but that's a long story, okay? I think God has grace for you and will work with you where you're, wherever you begin. But I realize with the New Testament, see, the, the Old Testament law, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you find out that the, the, the Old Testament law was about bare minimums. And so when you encounter the tithe, you're encountering a, a bare minimum. And, and, and so that a tithe is just an old word for 10%. If only the government could live on 10%, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Bless God, I think that should be a movement. The IR tithe, I don't know, Internal Revenue Tithe Service. I don't know, that doesn't work. Never mind. It was just an idea, and I'm killing it right now, okay? The point is that when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. And so now that means all of our resources are for God's glory. We are free from the law to do way more than the law could ever do. Does that make sense? That makes you stewards of your finances. So no one can stand in judgment of you and where your giving's at. That's between you and the Lord. But what I want you to know is that God does have economic principles in play. The funny thing about the law is, is that it works. It does. You can be lost and use the law to benefit yourself financially and in relationships and all those kind of things. You really could. Because there, God, there are certain eternal principles in play. But I'm not worried about bare minimums. This isn't about Michael having the most comfortable life possible. It's not about you having the most comfortable life possible. You're, it's about the glory of God. And if the glory of God means that Michael goes to jail like Paul did and spends most of his ministry in jail, then that's the glory of God. Hallelujah, bless God, let's go to jail. Yeah. Right? You're sitting there, if, God's, if glorifying God is going to another country and living in squalor or living in bad conditions so that other people can know that God is glorified and that God loves them and that God is kind to them, then bless God, here we go, right? That should be our mindset. And that should definitely be our mindset when it comes to our checkbooks, our time, our family, all of our resources. We need to be asking this question, how am I glorifying God here? Because what happens... When God's people go to church, call themselves Christians, but they don't invest in making God's name known. 
What happens when they do that? Well, nothing. God's sovereign. He'll do whatever he wants to do. Uh, tell that to Noah. <laughs> tell it to Moses. God says, hey, Noah, I want you to invest your resources, your time, the next 120 years of your life in building a boat. And Noah said, what? <laughs> What's a boat? God said, Moses, I want you to invest your time, your resources, your own finances to go to Egypt and tell them stuff they don't want to hear. And what did Moses say? I, 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 I don't want, want, want to go. That is what he said. You can read that. <laughs> was not making fun of stutters. God establish those principles. We need to look at those principles in our life. Principles of giving, principles of saving, principles of investing, principles of living. That's actually exactly how we should consider our financial life. Giving, saving, investing, living. We usually flip it around. Living and then whatever's left. And we need to look at it another way. God can use all those things. By the way, Proverbs eleven twenty four. I want to share it with you. Give freely, become more wealthy, be stingy, lose everything. That's one of those eternal principles in play. What am I trying to say? It's about God's glory. If you're getting upset with me about talking about money, I'm not talking about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Amen. And he's worthy of being glorified. Do you understand? You understand? Amen? Thank you. I do want to address the issue of lack. Because that's usually where people are coming from, especially if you struggle with giving, whether it's your time, resources, whatever. I want to talk about the issue of lack. Here's the thing. As believers in a new kingdom, you live in an abundant kingdom. There is always enough. There's always enough. But a lot of times in life, we experience seasons of lack. Believe me, I know. I'm, I'm a minister with eight kids. It's not as, it's not as wealthy. It's, it's not working out for me like it is for other guys. I'm just saying. I don't have a jet. Well, I got this little paper one I made, but that's a different thing. <laughs> um, the Bible says in Philippians 4, I want you, I want you to, wrap to, to get a hold of this. Paul, not that I was ever in need. Paul, in the kingdom, this is the, you want to read a passage about abundance, living in abundance, this is the one. This is the passage. Not that I was ever in need. For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. The secret. Oh, sweet Paul, what's the secret? Whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. So i got a question for you. got a question for you. Did you know that that was the context of that verse. It was about a seasons that we would call seasons of lack. Paul looked at those seasons that we call lack and saw them as seasons of contentment. Wow. And so the next time you paste that on a t-shirt and talk about winning a football game or a basketball game, you should probably give all your money away so you can really connect with the meaning of the verse. Just connect with contentment. I can do all things through Christ. So right now you're in a season of lack. I just want you to know you can do this. Amen. Now you might be asking yourself, why am I in a season of lack? Well, there could be a lot of reasons. Uh, just to be honest, you might have been stupid. Okay? I'm serious. God may have given you resources and used them on the wrong thing. It, it, that happens, okay? 
God's not mad at you. The blood covers that, okay? Just return to the Father. He's not punishing you. You just are living out the consequences of your choices. Stop, stop blaming God for that, okay? Maybe you want something in your life that you don't need. You might be like that two-year-old begging God for a straight razor, and God's not going to give it to you. It could be that, okay? God's going, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to let them win the lottery if they're going to ruin their family with it. I know a lot of you, like me, you prayed to win the lottery, but you never played the lottery. We want it to be a double miracle, a double miracle. All right, so here's one. This, isn't, this is going to sting a little bit, but it, it's, it's, it's useful. It might be that you're so distracted with your face and your smart devices that you're missing God's opportunities. And guys, that's something we have really got to address in our lives. But here's, here's the main reason. You ever wonder why God put Paul in jail? To get the New Testament into your hands. If Paul hadn't been to jail, you would not have his letters. And Paul had revelation like nobody else. He didn't just have revelation like nobody else. He had revelation from God for the Gentiles. That would be us, non-Jewish people. So God put him in a place to make space for God. So maybe you're in a season of lack right now and you're having a hard time because God is really saying to you, hey, I need, you to, I need some space from you right now. The master wants to hang out with you. I want to be your need filler. I want to be your contentment. That's what Father is saying to you. Now, and you're sitting there going, well, that doesn't really help me out. My bills are due. Guys, I get it. I've been there. Bills are due. And, and I've been at a point where I did not make enough to make monthly bills. In fact, to be honest with you, that's when I started giving. Not kidding. Christy and I, Early in our marriage, kids are still little. We had more kids than we can afford, which has been the pattern of our life. <laughs> I literally sat down with the budget, and it was not enough each month to pay the bills. There was too much month at the end of the money. And I sit down, and I said, God, you said give. So on faith, I'm going to give. I did. We did. We gave a percentage of our income. We actually started at 10, could not afford it. Within a year, we were completely out of debt. Amen. And to this day, I have no idea how God did it. Uh, but I like that about God. My, my, what's my point? <laughs> He's doing a better job than I am. <laughs> my point is, if, in your, in a season, if you are in a season of lack, let Father, fill the lack. Okay? Let Father fill the lack. So, it's all about His glory. So what's the point of this long message? Paul said, all this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our present troubles are small and will not last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. They produce for us a glory. The suffering you're going through now is investing in your future glory. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Do you hear this? We don't look at the troubles we can see now. You got troubles in this room? I got a few troubles. Anybody else got... I'm, I'm just me and Pastor, we, got, we both got troubles. You don't have any? You got rid of yours. Okay, good deal. All right. 
Got troubles. We, can, we, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Listen to this. Paul's going to blow your mind. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Woo! Christians are people who live their life looking at stuff no one else can see. How many of you just sit there and go... Right? No one else can see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Oh my goodness, folks. Some of you today, I am like over my time. Will you forgive me? Good, because i got a few more minutes here. Some of you are at your limit right now. As I was praying about today's message, this was not how I meant to conclude this, but this is how we're going to conclude it. I feel like this is what God wants to do. Some of you, I don't know who you are, but you're at your limit. And some of you, it's in your marriage. I get that. Some of you, it's with your money. Some of you, it's in relationships. Some of you, it's with your job. Some of you, it's with your health, and you're struggling maybe with sickness or a diagnosis you just got. I don't know. But there are people in this room today, and if it's not you, I want you to pray for them. But you're at your limit. You're done. You're right there, and right now, you're either just hanging off or you're getting ready to write it off. You're hanging on or getting ready to write it off. And so here's the thing. Here's what you need to know. God's bigger than that limit. God's bigger than the limit, and the best you... And the best work of God that's going to happen in your life is on the other side of that limit. That's right. God's going to push you through the limit on purpose because he loves you. But here's what's got to happen. Here's what we have to do in our life. we got to get hungry. God's people got to get hungry for the impossible. Do you realize your best life is out in the land of, God, of what is impossible for us but is easily possible for our Father? And he, he wants that for you. He's rooting for you. He's given you resources in your life. Some of them are skills. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. He gave you these gifts. And in those gifts are, are these, these things you have to push through your limits. But here's the thing. You're at the end of you, right? You're like the little boy at the feet of the 5,000. Nobody brought lunch but one little boy. One little boy brought some fish and bread, and there's no way you're going to feed that many people. This is way outside the limits. we got enough lunch for us, and, and then try and figure out how to get home. But what happens? The, the little boy takes his lunch bag to Jesus, says, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think he can do? What can he do with your problem? What can he do with your troubles? What can he do with your limits? I tell you what, today I can't promise you you're going to walk out of here and all your problems are going to be fixed. In, in fact, probably the opposite. I'm just saying, I bet there were some nervous disciples when Jesus was blessing the fish and bread. I'm just saying, okay? And Jesus' miracles never look like we want them to. I mean, we always have an expectation. And usually that's what destroys our faith. What destroys our faith is not that God isn't moving. It's that God is not moving in the way we want him to move. That's usually what eats our faith alive, okay? And so here's what I want you to know. You, you take whatever you got, and you turn it over to Jesus Christ, the master, because that's who is the master in the story. I know you know that. You turn it over to the master, you say, I'm at, I'm at the end of me. But we are never at the end of you. Amen. Never. Yeah. 
And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can work another day at the lousy job. I can hang on to another payday to try and keep those bills paid. I can, I can deal with a spouse that I'm in a very conflicting eggshells place. I can deal with that another day because you have the strength, whether I do or not. God's bigger than your limits. So what we do today is we turn our limits over to him. We admit it. We admit it. This is what repentance is all about, changing our mind, realizing, yeah, I'm at the end of me. I'm at the limits, but I'm never at the end of my father. I'm never at the end of my master. I'm never at the end of the Holy Spirit. Never. So I'm telling you, today we turn it over. We let Father take our limits. And we walk out of this place free. Free. Your situation doesn't have to change for you to be free. Your circumstances do not have to change for you to be free. The only thing that has to change is you have to stop being afraid and start stepping out in faith. Sooner or later, like Peter on a boat, you actually got to set your foot on a stormy sea and see if you stand. Okay? That's what faith is. Yeah. <laughs> God loves you. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Worship team, won't you come? Here's what I want to do while we're standing. I'm going to pray over you. Actually, I'm going to ask the prayer team. I got, there's people that are going to be on a table on my left, table on my right, okay? And they're here to pray for you. But what I want you to do is bow your head, close your eyes. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to help you with your limits right now, okay? Father, we stand here receiving. Church, let's receive. Jesus Christ, he's the source. Father's the source. Let's receive for a minute. Father, some of us in this room are at the end of ourselves. We're at the end of our limits, and we are so happy to be there. Lord, because we, we want to see God do, God do what only God can do. We, we, we didn't come to faith in Christ just so we could try really hard to go to heaven when we die. We came to faith because you did everything. So, Lord, right now we got people at the end of their limits, and I don't know what it is. So I speak over that marriage relationship right now that's at their limits, and and Lord, I pray that you speak in the hearts, that you give the wisdom that's needed to know exactly what to do in the situation, but mainly also you would just possess that broken, shattered heart with rest and peace. The person who got the diagnosis they didn't want this week, Holy Spirit, come, settle on them. Pray for them right now. Pray for those, the sick in this body. Just pray for them, body. Lord, just come, let them, let them know you got them, you love them. Lord, heal them. Move in their body. Heal their body. Father, the, I don't know who's having struggling with their boss right now, but I pray that you help that person that's struggling with their employment situation. I pray, Lord, that you either show them how they can be Jesus in that environment or you give them an opportunity where they can express Jesus somewhere else. But, Lord, either way, I pray they just be possessed with the peace of heaven. And they could do work tomorrow because they love you so much. Father, there's folks in this room struggling with money. And Father, we have a hard time believing you for money. It's such a real and tangible thing. And it sounds selfish to pray for money, but Lord, some folks in this room actually need it. So Lord, I pray you bless them. And I pray you give them the skill set they need so that they can give and save and invest and live rather than just live. Father, so many things you're doing today. I pray that no one leaves this place without someone pouring into them. I pray everyone gets encouraged and strengthened. And I pray for those who are really struggling right now. They would not leave without someone praying over them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Steve. Say with me. Because you live.